Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, Season 2, Episode 4, for Saturday the 22nd of August 2020. Coming up this week, we're on the final countdown for my first BookBub promo on my Walk Bay trilogy. I'll let you know how the warm-up exercises are going. I'm now over halfway through this year's fiction writing projects and how I'm making plans to get my sci-fi back on BookBub. Welcome to today's show. I can, I'm speaking now in my study and I can tell that the acoustic is completely different in here. And the reason for that is that I've collapsed my shelves, <laughs> the, the filing cabinet's gone, all the books and everything are packed in, in packing boxes, but all the boxes are open so I can still get in there. But I can tell as I'm speaking to you that there's more echo in this room. Now, I will do a little bit of processing on the sound, but um, you know you can't kind of completely uh, change the sound. But if it is echoey and if the quality is different, apologies for that. It's only going to get worse, I'm afraid, because this room's going to get emptier and emptier. I mean, we're still two months out too. I'll bring you up to date with Spain a little bit later on. Let's get on with the writing first of all. Um, so it'll be a briefer one today. reason for that is I haven't got an awful lot to tell you, but let me bring you right up to date with everything as far as writing is concerned. So I'm working on Fall from Grace at the moment. This is the second book in the second Morecambe Bay trilogy. And that book now stands at 45,219 first draft words. On Saturday the 15th, uh, my wife was at work, so I wrote 5,071 words. I have a day off on Sunday. On Monday, I wrote 1,568 words. On Wednesday, 1,797 words. On Thursday, 1,596 words. And today, Friday, I was up early at quarter to seven to go for a run. It was all right when I got up, but by the time I had a small bowl of cereal and looked out the window, it was pouring it down with rain. So I decided instead to write. So this morning, first thing this morning, between 7.30 and 8.30, I wrote 1,819 words and left my book at a very exciting spot for me as the author. This week then, I have written 11,851 words, which feels great. My wife is at work twice next week, so I've got two 5,000 word days coming up, and I will write, on the days she's not at work, I'll just write my normal 1,700 words. So by next Saturday, we're going to be up to 60,000 words, and by the following Saturday, in two weeks' time, that book should be finished in draft one form. Now, for reasons I'm not going to share just yet, all, all around Spain and plans and is it going to happen, isn't going to happen kind of scenarios with Spain, I've, I've had to bump and squeeze my schedule to make sure if I need to get everything done in time, it will be done in time. I'm working on two time frames at the moment. And so the tighter time frame means that I need to start plotting the next book next week. <laughs> You can imagine my delight at that. So I'm doing loads of writing. I've got a book to finish in two weeks and I'm going to start working on planning the next one because I need to start writing the next book. It's going to go crazy for a little while because I shall be I shall be planning one book. I shall be, I'm going to be writing the next book and, and editing the book that I'm writing at the moment. It just goes crazy. You have these overlap weeks sometimes when you're just doing too much, but it'll be fine. But uh, it is going to be a little bit crazy just for a short period of time to make sure I hit all of these deadlines and I get these books out. And, and, you know, ultimately, ultimately, the only book I've committed to actually releasing on the 2nd of November, and I can tell you that book's going to be fine because that's books due back from Judy Cordner, uh, edited any moment, 
That's the first book in the series. That's the only date that I've set. And that date is going to be the 2nd of November. Now, when the 2nd of November comes, because I will launch the the first new book, which is uh, Trust Me Once, when I launch that on the 2nd of November, that's the latest point at which I will say, okay, when I launch Trust Me Once, I need to have um, a link to the pre-sale for the book after that, the book I'm writing at the moment. So I don't have to commit to that second pre-sale until the first book that's on pre-sale now until that actually goes on sale so i you know i i can i can mess around with my time frames right up to pretty well the beginning of november that first book's going to come out of the second of november that's the only time at which i've got to commit to it so uh you know if the worst comes to the worst i could i could bump all those books and just release them later i absolutely don't want to do that because that isn't going to be the best way to sell them but if i had to i could I've got a little correction from last week. I did say last week that I was going to start my editing work on the 14th of August, but uh, I'm not, of course. Uh, that's going to be the 14th of September. So I got my months wrong. And in my defence, we have been in lockdown for ages. I'm pretty lucky if I can remember what year it is at the moment, let alone the date. So yeah, it's the, it's the 14th of September, not the 14th of August. I was looking at my Trello board incorrectly and uh, got the wrong month last week. I did want to just tell you about my Sci-Fi 7-pack. Now, I I tried to replicate what I'd done with my Thriller 12-pack with my Sci-Fi 7-pack. So I've, I've got seven thrillers. I've got the Secret Bunker trilogy, the Grid trilogy, and a standalone called Phase 6. And so when the Thriller was doing well, I bundled the Sci-Fis together and then started to promote that and try and see if I could replicate it with the sci-fi. Now, I, I couldn't, and I have to say, you know, my appetite wasn't huge for it because I was spending so much money on the thrillers at the time, hundreds and hundreds a, a, a day and thousands a week. Um, you know, my appetite wasn't great for pushing my luck with that. And because the thriller was doing really well at that time, I, I had the sci-fi running. It was uh, it was in profit, but it wasn't the same level of profit, the same level of enthusiasm as I was getting for the thriller. So I switched it off. Now, I've, I've tried a few things with the thrillers, and I've, I've got to tell you that I feel that my sci-fi is better listed wide. I think it's harder to sell sci-fi, or, or certainly my sci-fi, it's harder to sell. It might You might not experience this if you sell sci-fi, but certainly the sci-fi I've written, I find it harder to sell than my thrillers. And it's easier for me, I think, with sci-fi to be listed wide because I can then get book bubs. I've had book bubs on both The Grid and The Secret Bunker. Book bub aren't the slightest bit interested in me while I'm listed in Amazon exclusive. So the sci-fi seven pack is out of KDP Select now. And the rest of the books, they're slightly out of sync. The rest of the books follow on the 3rd of September. So from the 3rd of September, I'm going to list all of my sci-fi wide. And my plan at the moment is to leave it that way. Because um, I, I think I make money on more money on it when it's, when it's listed wide than when I do when it's in KDP Select. So the good thing about that, I think I alluded to this last week, is that my sci-fi books are already listed on, uh, what is it, Publish Drive, on Kobo and on Draft the Digital, they're already sitting there. They're just delisted at the moment. So, in the way that I 
had to go through all my thrillers, bringing them right up to date across all the platforms, getting all the prices right. I've already done that with my sci-fis. I've literally just, from the 3rd of September, when they're out of KDP Select, I just have to switch them back on again. And then that's going to be a very simple process. And the moment I've done that and all the books are live, I will start to submit to BookBub again because I, I've certainly historically, I've made more money on my sci-fi um, using BookBub promos even when they're quieter, when they're a bit quieter, I always make a couple of thousand from a book, book promo uh, on my sci-fi. Uh, I want to continue to, to, to do that because that's been more uh, profitable for me with those uh, seven sci-fi books. So 3rd of September is the date for that. This podcast is supported by affiliate sales of memberships to the Alliance of Independent Authors, Ally, which is the professional business membership organisation for self-publishing authors. Now, I've found that I usually cover the cost of my membership by using the special codes that they give out for free listings and revisions on Ingram Spark. Just use a couple of those over the course of a year and your membership will be paid for. However, Ally is much, much more than that. You can access expert advice, great support and community, a range of podcasts suitable for authors of all levels, and the amazing online conferences, which gather industry titans several times a year in order to share their best tips and tricks. When you purchase your Ally membership through my affiliate link, you pay the same price as normal, but I take a percentage of the sale proceeds and they go to support my time and effort in producing this podcast. To check out the essential professional membership service for all indie authors, just head over to paulteague.com forward slash ally. That's A-L-L-I. In sales and marketing news this week, of course, I have my book bub this forthcoming Monday on the 24th of August. And so what I've been doing is priming that so that my book is already doing well in the charts before we even have the BookBub promo. So I began that this week with a e-reader news today promotion on Monday the 17th. Now that just went out. and I, I meant to check the listings for that actually because it only went out to Amazon for some reason and I thought I'd listed it on all the channels. Whatever, <laughs> whether it was my mistake or whatever, um, it only went out to Amazon. So I can give you an idea of, of what that achieved for me in chart positions. Now it's really interesting because when I was doing Facebook adverts on my thrillers, when I do Facebook, I do much better in the UK. So I know that uh, if you've listened for a long time, you'll know historically, my biggest audience has always been the US, then the UK, and then you've got bits of other English speaking countries after that. That's completely flipped since I've been making the majority of my income over the previous months via Facebook ads. I've been doing much better in the UK. So it's actually quite funny now that these email promos make me do better in the US again, and I will do better in the US from a BookBub promo too. So I'm flipping everything about, having done really well in the UK, and I'll be doing okay in the UK, but much better in the US again now. So that e-reader news today promo on Monday the 17th, it, um, I don't know, I, I, I don't look at it every five minutes, but this is pretty well the highest ranking that I spotted. So e-reader news today, uh, got me to number 46 in the Amazon bestsellers rank for free. 
that's so I was in uh, number 46 in the top 100 free Kindle store in the US so that's the total Kindle store it got me to number 46 so I you know I'm happy with that I'm 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 not happy to be giving away for free again I'd rather be back in this comfortable making income zone which I hope to be when we have the bookbub promo next week but I don't expect to make a lot of income from these promos you do make income from a bookbub promo touch wood normally uh, but I don't really expect to make money from an e-reader news today or a free booksy promo. These are just literally giving my my book, my promotion on Left for Dead, while it's for free, giving it a head of steam so that it's positioned beautifully when BookBub start to send all that lovely traffic to it on Monday. So 46 in the US, top 100 free and Kindle store. It got to number one in psychological literary fiction in the US. Have a little giggle there about being in anything that says literary fiction. Uh, I got to number two in vigilante justice, which is normally my uh, highest ranking uh, category. And number two, this is in the US in psychological thriller. So that's a pretty good that's a pretty good result for free. Very happy to be in the top 100 free in the Kindle store. Now, if I can get to number 46 with an e-reader news today, I expect to go top 10 with a book bub. That's what I certainly, I certainly hope that. And then if I can get to number one in psychological literary fiction, two in vigilante justice and two in psychological thrillers, I would expect then fairly easily for a book bub to push me to those number one slots. Now in the UK, I did less well, but the results were kind of okay. So I was, um, number 314 in the free Kindle store. So I didn't make the top 100 in the UK. Remember, this is all freebies so far. And the traffic, I, I, I may have got to number one, but I didn't, I didn't spot it if I did. The highest positions I spotted were number two in kidnapping crime fiction, number three in vigilante justice, this is the UK, and number seven in psychological thrillers. So again, those categories are all beautiful for me, but it didn't, again, historically, I don't do brilliantly. I do okay in the UK, but not brilliantly in the UK when I'm using email promo services. So that was followed up with a free booksy promo on Thursday the 20th. So yesterday as I'm recording this. Now in the US, that pushed me to number 24. This is US, remember, number 24 in the total free Kindle store. Uh, so we kind of doubled our position from the e-reader news today. Now, as I said to you, the purpose of this is to position me high in the charts so that when BookBub comes along, I hope it will force me certainly top 10, but into those number one, you know, potentially even number one slot, certainly in the charts. In the top free Kindle store, hopefully top 10, maybe top five. I wouldn't expect to be number one, I don't think, but, but certainly top 10, top five is what I would hope to get from the BookBub. Um, now, in terms of categories, it didn't really make much difference from the e-reader News Today promo. So I was number one in psychological literary fiction, number two in vigilante justice, and number two in psychological thrillers. So both of those promos got me to the same position in the US. Now, in the UK, it did move me up a little higher. So I was uh, in the UK, I was 314 in the total Kindle store. Uh, as a result of the e-reader news today promo but by the time we had the extra impetus of the free booksy promo that took me to number 284 in the free kindle store in the uk so in the uk i'm not making it to top 100 so i hope that the book bub will get me to top 100 at least in the total free kindle store in the uk but remember i make most of my sales on these email promos in the us 
And then just to give you the positions, I was number two in kidnapping crime fiction in the UK. I was three in vigilante justice and number seven in psychological thrillers. So I'm not too fussed about that. All I wanted it to do was just put the wind beneath my wings to coin a, a song title to just lift me and put me in those high positions to get started with so that when I get the book bub, I'm not starting from a zero position, just trying to build my speed up to you know from zero to 50 to 60 miles per hour and then i want the book bug to push me to, to 80 to 90 if we're lucky to even 100 miles per hour that's kind of what i'm playing at here and then i do have another promo on wednesday of next week uh, with uh, book doggy and that's really just a mop-up promo just to give it a, an extra little push um at the end so really this is all about the book bug promo it's positioning for the BookBub promo. And that BookBub promo is coming up on Monday the 24th. So in next week's diary, I'll, I'll tell you how it's done, tell you how many free books we moved. But of course, the whole purpose of this, the entire purpose of this is to get book one, which is Left for Dead, in what is currently a four book series. But by the time we get to Christmas will be a six book series. The entire aim of this is to get people to buy and read as many of, of those six books that I'm going to have out before Christmas as possible. Now we're going to we'll lose people all the way along of course so um, you know if I give you some just rough numbers from Don't Tell Meg when I did Don't Tell Meg the first time I think we get rid of something like 30,000 free editions. Now that sounds fantastic but most people don't even remember they've got it on their, their Kindle they don't read it so a certain percentage of that 30,000 notional number will read Left for Dead. Some people will hate it. Some people will love it. The ones who love it will probably go on and get Circle of Lies. And if they get Circle of Lies, they're probably hooked. So it's those people I'm playing for. I want to increase as or get as many people as possible to read through from Left to Dead. And I think that if I can get them to read through from Left to Dead to buy the next book, Circle of Lies, or then to go and get the, the box set, which is priced you know, cheaply so that you can get books two and three in that series uh, at, a at the cheapest price. I then want them to move on and pre-order the Trust Me Once, which is the book that goes out on uh, November the 2nd. So the timescales are all fine here for people to read through those those books and, and for the, the, the pre-release of Trust Me Once not to be too far away. You're gonna have to be a pretty quick reader to get through three books in that time frame. Uh, and then, of course, if they get to Trust Me Once, I want them to do to, to buy Fall from Grace, which is the one I'm writing at the moment, and then subsequently to get the last book in the series, which is Bound by Blood. So I'm playing, potentially, for a maximum of six, well, five sales from one freebie. That's what we're playing for in this book. Bum. And I've never played for, for that many sales in a sequence. I've, the most I've ever done is a, is, a, is a box set, it's a trilogy. So I'm really fascinated to see how this goes. And remember, it's also the first time that I've ever promoted Left for Dead on BookBub. So it's completely fresh to the BookBub market. So as I say, I'll bring you up to date with how that's going at the same time next week. And then just before we move on, I just wanted to mention that I did say to you that when I'm listed wide, I try all the time to get Kobo promotions. I will say to you that I'm now making sales with very little effort actually on my part uh, on Google, not very many on Google, uh, but on Draft the Digital, I've got Draft the Digital income coming in, which is lovely to see, and Kobo income coming in at the moment. And I have to say to you, it's really funny, I was saying this to my wife the other day, and I know 
some somebody who talks about limiting beliefs and all of this sort of stuff would would call me out on this but i, I gotta tell you that it was really quite frightening spending all those thousands of pounds on those facebook ads you, you're running up you know, a lot of money on a credit card i'm very happy to say that's all well and truly paid back now um, and I'm not doing any Facebook advertising at the moment, not until I've gone through this period where I've listed wide, because it's all about BookBub now for the next two months, all about BookBub. Um, so I'm not doing any Facebook ads at all now, not until I go back into KDP Select again, and then I'm gonna go straight back to what I was doing before, which is promoting that 12-pack book. So it's really nice to just have money coming in. It's nice to see money coming in at, at Draft the Digital and on Kobo again. And it's really nice to see money coming in where I don't have to spend money to make that money. It's just kind of coming in of its own accord to a certain extent. Um, now, you know, I know, I know you've got to spend money to make money. I know you've got to have ads running to make money. But I just want to let you know that it was I, I was terrified at many points during those big promos that I was doing when I was spending thousands and thousands of pounds on Facebook ads and the money wasn't in my bank yet. You know, there is a level of exposure there. You're going to have quite a nerve for it. Uh, you know, particularly if you're not cash rich enough to just take that out of the business. Now, you know, I'm not going to take that out of my personal money. That had to come out of business cash flow. So I was exposed on credit cards for that. I, I did find it very nerve-wracking. Now, I know that if I play small and just say, well, you know, I'm quite happy sitting there and I, I get some sales every month and I don't spend on ads, that's that's playing it small if you play that way because realistically, you're only, unless you're some kind of JK Rowling sensation, you're never really going to be able to scale up your, your sales like that. So I know that I'm going to be coming back to spending money on Facebook adverts again when I start listing my books. Why? But the other thing I've learned is that it's much harder, I think, to make money on Facebook ads. Again, you know, I'm a midway author. This is completely different if you're a Mark Dawson or a JK Rowling. Everybody knows who you are and you've got these fans all ready to buy your book. So if you're in that position, I would say it's probably different. But when you're an author like me who is effectively trying to get their books in front of a new audience, which is the game I'm playing, I think, from my experience, it's it's easier when you're in KDP Select to make your money back. When I was just doing Facebook on sales, my margin, which is basically the amount I'm making versus the amount I'm spending, my margin was a lot tighter when I couldn't put KDP Select in there and get page reads on there. So I'm a lot more comfortable promoting on Facebook ads when I can have page reads as well as sales. Uh, my margin is a lot more comfortable. I was 100% up on the deal most of the time when I was doing that. So uh, that's just a little by the by about Facebook. What I was going to tell you about is Kobo. I've got two more promos booked in with Kobo. I've got a double daily deal promotion on So Many Lies from the 12th to the 13th of September. And I've got a Labor Day weekend sale in the US and Canada. That's from the 3rd of September to the 8th of September. And that's on my complete thriller collection, which of course is listed wide at the moment. So that will only be priced down on Kobo at that time. And it's also in the, what is it? The Kobo reading thing that they've got where you get page reads on Kobo. So I'm perfectly comfortable with that being live the day after my or, or very soon after my uh, bookbub promo it doesn't doesn't particularly trouble me it's it's clear from the main promo but it might just mop up some extra readers with that in the us and canada so once again just to reiterate my policy when i am listed wide 
Kobo does have this promotions tab and I constantly am looking at that and submitting my books to that and you'll find that you get rejected on many of them but you get accepted on, on just as many it's not like BookBub you don't it's not like you know 10 rejections to every acceptance or or more with Kobo it, it feels to me like it's more than 50% acceptance it feels that way. I haven't counted it up but it feels like they say yes to me more times than they say no to me um, so if you are listed wide please check out that Kobo promotions tab if you haven't got it you just need to email the Kobo team and they'll add it so that you can see it on your your dashboard and try and put your books in for as many as those promos as you can because it really does you're not going to be rich overnight it's not like a bookbub promo but it certainly does help to get things going when you are selling on kobo if you've ever found this podcast helpful you can now support my work by buying me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash paul teague maybe i've saved you some time by sharing a new resource Perhaps I passed some information on that you weren't aware of, or you may just like catching up with another author who's doing what you're trying to do and checking in on a regular basis. I prefer to use Buy Me A Coffee because unlike Patreon, you don't have to sign your life away to show your support for the podcast. You can make small one-time contributions, the price of a cup of coffee, or you can support monthly or even annually. The choice is yours and you can make one-off donations at any level you choose. So, if you want to support the future development of this show, head over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Paul Teague. And thank you very much in advance for your help in keeping this particular show on the road. I did say it was going to be a bit briefer today, so I'll just wind up today with my general writing news. I'm scheduled to be interviewed by Dan Wilcox for his Great Writers Share podcast this forthcoming Monday. So that will be the 24th of August, which is my book pub day, of course. So quite a good day to be interviewed by Dan. Uh, I'm, I'm having a sort of policy at the moment of not uh, being on podcasts. I'm kind of sick of hearing my own voice, to be honest with you, and sick of hearing my own story. Um, you know, so I, if I'm worn out by it, then I'm sure other people are. So um, I did actually, I, I knocked back the self-publishing formula last week. I, I think a couple of you have kindly, on a post in their uh, Facebook page had suggested me as a, a, a guest interview because they, they were scouting for new guests. And Tom had messaged me and said, uh, you know, we, we've had a few call outs for your name. Do you want to come on the podcast? I never thought I'd see the day when I was saying no to self-publishing formula, but let me explain the method in my madness. But I, I said to Tom, it, it only feels to me like five minutes ago that Tom was interviewing me for the other podcast that they do when they talk to authors uh, who are at a different um, sort of level of their career. And I just felt that it was too soon. And there, there, are, there are a couple of podcasts I want to save as specials. And, you know, if I if I ever hit that six-figure mark, I'd like to save Joanna Penn's podcast for that. And I'd like to save Mark Dawson's podcast for that. So I, I want to, if I ever hit that six-figure mark in a year, then I will feel like I've been successful at that point. And so I want to save those podcasts as something special. So I said to Tom, um, you know, obviously thank you very much for the invite I'm very flattered but it does feel like I've just been on the other podcast can I let you know if and when I hit this six figures and if I do I'd you know I'd love I'd love to come on the podcast then because at that point you know I'll feel like I've been successful with it um and and it's I've always felt the same with Joanna Penns I thought you know I'd love to go in a podcast but I'm only going on when I've hit six figures when or if I hit six figures so um 
so I, I'm, I'm having a kind of policy of not going on podcasts at the moment. Uh, but Dan was a conversation that goes back to a conversation we had at 20 Books Edinburgh, which is how long ago is that now? It's quite a long time ago. Is it over a year ago? 20 Books Edinburgh? Must be about a year ago, isn't it? Um, but I, I had a, a word with Dan then when he was setting up the podcast and he said, oh, will you come on the podcast? I said, yeah, yeah, just just let me know when you want to come on. So uh, that's a pre-existing one. Just if you're listening to this and thinking, oh, Paul had said I, 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 he's not going on podcasts, that's a pre-existing commitment. It's, it's the last pre-existing commitment I've got so, as far as I can remember. Um, but I did say to Dan I would be on it a year ago. So it's just a kind of catch up as far as that's concerned. The other thing I wanted to tell you, in this general writing news is that I was listening to the Career Author Podcast episode 139 last week and I do recommend it to you as, a, as an excellent episode even if you're not a regular listener. I'm, I'm loving that show at the moment actually, it's re really good. But they did an episode called Hooking the Reader with Your First Chapter and I, I really believe in this philosophy but I've not heard it articulated in the way they did in that episode. They were basically saying that your first chapter is like a sales landing page on an internet marketing offer. That if your first chapter doesn't hit certain or meet certain criteria, then there's no way people are going to buy your book. And I, I totally and passionately believe that. I, I spend a lot of time with my first lines in my thrillers, in my books actually, so that there's no beating around the bush, there's no describing the sun rising over the, you know, on the horizon and what the clouds are like and the you know, the grass blowing in the wind or whatever it's doing. I don't do any of that nonsense. We're straight in. I always try and get straight in with action. So again, one of the tips that people say about writing is, you know, don't start right at the beginning, start in the middle of something. And that's how I always try and start my first chapters because my view is uh, uh, if, if people take the time to read the preview, the 10% preview, should have a pretty good idea whether they want to read the book or not when they've read the 10% preview which is why I get a little bit cross when people review something and say, this was total claptrap. You think, well, didn't you read the free 10% first? Because surely you'd have known it was claptrap before you paid for it. Um, and, and then you wouldn't have paid for it and left me a bad review. So this is this is why I kind of get a bit agitated about reviews because I think, well, you can do your due diligence. You don't have to spend any money, uh, you know, to find out whether a book's going to be rubbish or not. Or, or, well, not rubbish, but not to your taste. Um, so anyhow, I do spend a lot of time on those first chapters. And this, uh, one of, I've said to you before, one of the criticisms or the feedback that I get about Don't Tell Meg is, and, and it's from a small percentage of people, but enough people say it for it, for, for it to, to bother me and, and really not to get it because so many people don't say that. So many people say they were gripped from the start. But there is a division there with Don't Tell Meg. And this, listening to that episode made me think, do you know what I need to do? I need to write a prologue to Don't Tell Meg and, and, and I can, and to write the murder scene, there's a, there's a sort of frenzied murder scene, but you only ever hear reported third person in the book. And I just thought, you know, I reckon if I wrote that as a prologue, as a first chapter to that book, that would probably kind of deal with that, that small element of criticism that I get about the story. And so um, it did make me think about that. And I've added that to my longer term list of things to do. It's not going to happen until these thrillers are written. It's, it's being parked for a while. But it's gone on my list of longer term writing prospects. Should I write a prologue to Don't Tell Meg, which has this frenzied murder scene, and that you don't know who did it, uh, you, and you don't need to know who actually 
committed the murder, but you do need to know, get a little sneak preview into what their motivation was. And I thought that had set up the book really well, actually. It sets up the, the series really well. So that is on my to-do pile. And what I'll probably do is write a prologue, see what I think of it, and then maybe just try it for a month or two, maybe during a BookBub campaign. Uh, if I get another book book campaign on it, and try it out and see whether it changes the feedback. See if you can turn that feedback around. And this is just one of the great things, by the way, about being a self-published author, that we can pivot and change at any time. Nothing's forever. As I said to you before, we're not carving statues out of stone. One little slip and we've messed it up. You could even mess, you know, you could even fix things in stone, of course. But you know, we're not. If if I make if I put an ending in or a beginning and it doesn't work well it's fine just go back and do it again if the cover's rubbish and it doesn't sell that's fine go back and do it again if the title was rubbish go back and come up with another one we could just constantly reiterate we can constantly try and try again until we get the blasted thing right and I think that's a great privilege of what we do and I would urge you if you've ever written a book and been disappointed with it if you've and you've heard me do this, you know, I've rewritten, I've revised my books, made them better as I've gone along and learned more. We could do this all the time. Don't ever give up on a book and say, oh, that didn't work. It never will work. You can always come back to it and reinvent it. You put a new cover on it, put a new title on it, you re-release it as a new author if you need to, if you've blotted your copybook in some way. But you can always turn it round, always turn it round. Remember, uh, this isn't true for the last six months because I've been in KDP Select and the BookBub aren't letting me have any promos. But as I've said to you before, my sci-fi, I'm making more money from my sci-fi up to the point that I put it back in KDP Select. I was making more money on that sci-fi than I have been, more money than I ever made when I wrote the books and I launched the books. And this is another reason why I don't get excited about launches anymore. Uh, uh, launch is nice, you get a flurry of activity, you might have a blog tour or something like that. But most of the books I've got I'm making more money on them now than I was ever making on them when I wrote them. So don't ever give it up and think, oh, you know, that was rubbish, that book didn't work. You can always come back to it, rewrite, renose, repurpose. You know, you could, you, there's many ways to, to sort this out, and that's one of the joys of self publishing. So, anyhow, going back to the subject, the Career Author Podcast, episode 139, Hooking the Reader with Your First Chapter. Highly recommend. Please take it out for a spin because I think you'll find it uh, very, very informative in terms of what you're writing. And then just before we wind up for today, and I bring you up to date with Spain, I just want to say to you that I've now got, you know that uh, book that I had, the 10-pack, that had got the one-star review on it, and I was bemoaning my lot. We've now got how many reviews? We've got five reviews on it now, and it's now showing an average of 3.7 out of five. So we've got two fives, two fours, and a one so it at least looks okay now as i said to you i'm fairly confident just based on the data that i've got from the 12th pack of books because these books are all are my strongest books i'm fairly confident that when we get readers over that 10 pack when, when we get a few more reviews i'm pretty confident that we'll get that up to a four point something and that that one star will be long hidden and, and then i can start to promote it again and just to give you a sense by the way my 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 12th pack book has now become my most reviewed book. So my 12th pack, the Complete Thriller Collection, now has 373 reviews on it. Now my record before that was Don't Tell Meg, which has 322 reviews on it. So, I, uh, so that 12th pack is now 
way ahead. It's 50 reviews or so ahead of Don't Tell Meg. And of course, remember, we've only done this since the beginning of year, the, the year. And also remember that the 12 pack is just recycling books that I'd already written, books which had not succeeded for me in last year's rapid release. This goes back to what I was saying about you can always repurpose things, repackage them, do new things with things. So, uh, so that um, my twelve pack book is is averaging four point five out of five stars. That's why I say I'm confident that the the ten pack. By the time we've got more reviews over it, I'm confident that it will go four point something. Now, if you look at the three hundred and seventy three ratings, there you've got three percent one star, you've got four percent two star, you've got six percent three star, and then you've got nineteen percent four star and sixty eight percent five star uh, on that book so the majority of people are rating it four or five star and then you've got the you know the, you've got and i haven't i haven't even read the reviews for this i haven't even read the reviews at all uh, on this one i must go through them actually um you know one stars are generally i generally put one star people as the bemused in that they generally sort of bought it and thought they were buying a rubber bone for their dog or something, or they confused that it didn't come in the post. That's usually what the one stars are. Um, but as I say, always beware, always beware of an articulate one star. <laughs> Those are the ones you've got to look at, um, you know, because if they're articulate, they're one star, they're probably saying something, they've probably spotted something about the plot or the grammar, the language use or something like that. So beware the articulate one star. But uh, most one stars, as I'm sure you'll have experienced now, are usually saying, you know, I ordered an e-book and it didn't come in the post. Um, you know, or I was ordering a can of soup and I got this e-book. That's usually what you get on the one stars, just what I call the bemused, people who don't really seem to understand the internet. So um, I'll keep you up to date with that, but at least the worst is over. <laughs> the worst is over with that one star review. At least it's a little bit cushioned now. Um, but as I say, I'm out of KDP Select until... November now so I'm hoping that as people read through that 10 pack that that should go to four point something stars and then I might even try it as a book bub when it's four point something stars as a 99 pence and cents promo which I quite like to do if I can just before we go list wide again okay and um, back I'll finish with Spain news just to keep you up to date so you've probably heard that my study is getting more echoey and echoey all the time. And you're just going to hear it. It's just going to be me in an empty room. Actually, I, I agreed with my one of my kids who's going to university in a couple of weeks. Um, I, they, I'm going to let them take my big computer. Uh, they're going to be able they're taking my big computer to university because I, I worked out that it's better to say to one of my kids, look, take, take the computer that you can play your games on it at university on the understanding that, that if I find that I can't work with a Chromebook out in Spain, if we get to Spain, I can't work with a Chromebook, then I, at my expense, I'll pay for it to be shipped out to Spain. And that's the risk you take. Potentially, you might end up with a, your own snazzy computer for, for six months, but it's but you take a risk. But I, I decided that that was better than putting it in storage for five or six months. Um, so this computer then, consequently, when we start dropping kids off at university, is going at the beginning of September. So I'm going to be down to a Chromebook shortly. Uh, we're going to be back to sort of basics, recording basics very soon. So it, it, you, it's going to be like a shop that's closing down. You know, you're going to start seeing sale written on the windows and, and all, all, all the stocks are going to be packed up in boxes ready to get towed away. So you, you'll hear the gradual decline of the audio quality as we, as we get through the weeks on this podcast. Anyhow, with, with, with Spain news in mind, 
uh, you know, I, I keep saying to my wife, this looks less likely by the day, but we're still pushing ahead. Uh, our EasyJet flights were cancelled this week. I got an email saying, because EasyJet have pulled out of Newcastle. Now, I, knew, I knew this was probably coming, and I knew what my backup plan was, uh, but I was waiting for the formal cancellation. So I got the email this week saying, your flights are cancelled uh, from Newcastle. So we can't fly from Newcastle. Well, we could fly. We could switch probably to another airline, but we're not going to. Um, it's easier for us. From where I live, it makes not a lot of difference whether I go to Newcastle or whether I go from Manchester. And when we've flown to Spain previous, in previous years, I think last year, I'm pretty sure we all met at uh, Manchester because one of my kids was coming over. It was easier to meet the kids in, 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 uh, in, in Manchester and fly from there. I'm sure that was last year or the year before. Uh, so it really doesn't make much difference to me where I fly from. Uh, now, because uh, Manchester is a huge hub, then I, I stand an awful lot more chance of getting over to Alicante from there, whether I go with EasyJet or not. So at the moment, I could just juggle my flights uh, for free and fly out from Manchester. We could coincide that with a visit to the kids uh, who are down that way at university. So that works nicely from a domestic point of view too. Uh, but I'm just waiting now for dates. I have to make a final call on some expenses on Spain next week. So um, I said to you that we've rented a villa. The villa becomes non-refundable shortly. So I've paid a deposit on the villa and I've got to pay the balance next by the end of this month. So if I'm if we're going to duck out of this, um, and we can still I can still pay for the villa and still duck out. So what I'd said to my wife was we're paying for the villa for five months. If for whatever reason I can't travel for a month, that's fine. The villa can just sit, sit there empty for a month and we'll go over where we can go over. So, you know, there's, there's all these sort of factors in play. Um, but we're going to go from Manchester now. We definitely go from Manchester. We're not quite sure what the date's going to be, but next week I have to make uh, three decisions. We have to make decisions about my wife's work. We have to make decisions about the date that we're going to leave the UK, if we leave the UK, and we're going to have to make a decision about the flights as well. And I will probably, well, I've got to make those decisions by the end of this month, because there's all sorts of timings, uh, timing dependencies based on this. So it's all hotting up as far as that's concerned. And as I said to you, you know, if we do just look at it and say, we can't do this then we'll have to give it up as a bad job. And we will have the world's most tidy house. <laughs> we'll have the world's most minimalist and tidy house as a consequence. But, you know, the thing is, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really matter, does it? You know, if, my, my view is if I can't make it this year, we'll go next year we'll, when, when it, things are easier. Um, the other thing I must tell you, by the way, because I was having a go at the UK government the other day, one of my kids this week, because uh, I've got two kids at home at the moment, one's, one's gone off to see friends, in their in their university town so I've got two kids at home one of the kids uh, fell ill this week and, and thought they had some symptoms of covid so we did some testing this week I said well we'll, we'll get you tested uh, because my view is if you get anything at the moment you should probably preemptively get tested just to make sure so we we have within walking distance of where I live a one of these walk-in test stations so we, we just walk through the park where I do my pass it when I run every morning um, and, and I've been fascinated uh, watching it. At first, they're doing some works in the park that I run in every, not every day, but every other day. And I thought it was to do with the works. And it turned out it was a walk-in test station in the middle of the city. So I said, I said to my son, I'll t we'll walk over there. And so my son told me this at uh, ooh, 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock in the morning. 
I booked an appointment. That was later than that. It was about 11, I think it was. Nearly lunchtime. I went online, booked an appointment. He had an appointment on the same day at 2.30. He was... He walked in. I walked with him to the appointment just in case he needed any sort of help with anything. And he walked through, um, did all the tests. You do the test yourself, and they they talk you through it, things like that. And then he popped out the other end of this uh, marquee thing that they've got set up there. And uh, that was it. Now, when you go online, they said that your results will be back 48 to 72 hours. And when I read that, I was having a bit of a rant saying, well, that's no use to anybody, is it? You know, if, you, if you're trying to decide whether to go to work or not, 48 to 72 hours is useless and you might not have had it and you might have been infected by then. So I was, I'd been having a bit of a rant beforehand about how useless that testing was. But when, when my son came out, he came out with a card with his number, his test number on it. And they said to him, oh, if you ring that, this number within 24 hours, in 24 hours time, You'll, you'll get your your result. And I said, well, that's good. 20, 24 hours is fine. I mean, you, you know, you can't really expect... Uh, 24 hours is fine for any kind of turnaround, I think. So that's that's as fast as you can probably humanly do it, you know, to pick it up, to test it, to communicate the result. Well, the next day, he got texted his result by 11 o'clock in the morning. So tested at 2.30, result, uh, and it was negative, I'm pleased to say, result by 11 o'clock the next day. So in, in the interests of balance, and if you are in the UK and this does affect you, this is, you know, you're implicated in this because maybe you feel you've got symptoms or you need to get checked. I just wanted to share what I would say was an, an excellent experience. I mean, you, I don't, there's some things you can't humanly do within a certain time frame. And given that that was tested, picked up, and, and the, you know, the information given within that time frame. I thought that was perfectly uh, acceptable, perfectly reasonable. I couldn't, I can't really fault that. So, in the interests of balance, and if you are in the UK, I just thought that was just interesting news to communicate. And that was a walk-in centre rather than a home test test centre, by the way. So, of course, you've got to have one of those walk-in centres near you. Okay, that's it for this week. We've got a book bub coming up on Monday. I'll share all that information with you next week when I'm giving you a podcast diary update. And if there's any news, I'll also let you know where we're up to with our Spain plan, <laughs> which looks which looks doomed, more doomed by the minute. But let's see how things pan out. Anyhow, have a great week of writing. I'll speak to you soon. You can check out the show notes and listen to the back catalogue episodes at paulteague.com forward slash podcast. If you've heard something that's helpful to you in your author business and you'd like to support the show, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Paul Teague. That's it for this week's show. Thanks very much for listening. And I hope you have a great week of writing. From me, Paul Teague. Bye-bye for now. Bye.